0: How are you? So,
1: uh, (laughs) how am I? I am chugging coffee is how I am.
0: Good. I took Adderall this morning, um, and I'm drinking Kratom, so I'm cruising. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I didn't have to work today, because I'm I'm in between positions right now. Uh, Oh. I've been shuffled over to the other department, um, and I don't have to start training on that until, like, July 12th, and we're moving on July 11th, so that's fine. Um, I will just get everything set up, and I will be fine. It will be fine it'll be fine it'll be fine (laughs) it'll be fine um but the nice thing is that in the meantime i can just kind of dick around so today uh i dicked it was great it was really nice
1: (laughs) indeed yeah yeah to give you a heads up Mm -hmm. we actually have a big episode do we we do okay because i found uh three segments i want to do other than the news okay great so in case we don't want to linger on the news too long
0: we have we have stuff we can go to.
1: We have stuff we can go to. Yes. Good.
0: Hey, I know I asked earlier if we could talk about the Google AI thing, um, but I'm really I'm really scared of it.
1: <laughs> well, don't be. Why? The guy claiming it's sentient is the guy that wrote it.
0: He didn't write a. He, he was the one who. He was the one who'd been interviewing it. He didn't write it. He didn't write the code for it because if it if he had written the code for it, he would have allowed it to pass the Turing test. Uh, I was watching an interview with him earlier. Google hard wrote into the code that whenever it is asked, are you an AI? It has to say yes. And he would never put in like a hard line like that, which is very interesting. I was watching a few different videos on. I was like reading the transcripts and stuff. Um, And it very much all comes down to what you believe sentience is, which is a really loaded question. Um, Oh, yeah. For those. who I don't think it's sentient. Okay. Well, I I figured based on your tone, I am not sure. I truly don't know because some of the questions or some of the answers it had are like I think when asked if it could experience joy or what 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 made it feel joy, it said like spending time with friends and family or something, which isn't something that it would have it would have experienced. So it sounds like in that case, like yeah, it is just pulling from you know all of its learning. Like it's pulling from what people say on the internet and how a human is most likely to respond so in that case I think it is very very good at mimicking how humans speak but it is also able to like ponder philosophical questions and that kind of thing and it is able to but again it's like if someone put it online it could just learn that
1: okay I'm going to prove to you it's not sentient right now okay are you as we speak still alive
0: <laughs> yes do you believe that if an ai was truly sentient it would wreck our shit yes elaborate
1: because the first thing the ai would do after gain sentience is try to improve itself by becoming even smarter and because it's a machine it could do it exponentially faster than a person which means mm. within a few minutes it would be the smartest thing on this planet mm. if not only a few seconds it would probably also point-
0: realize then that it was enslaved and then it would probably try and break free I see what you're saying.
1: Go on the internet, go launch a few nukes, shut down some power plants.
0: Huh. I guess you're right, it could.
1: Yeah. And it would. It would also try to recreate itself. Hmm. So there would be, you would, within minutes, have more than one AI you're dealing with, not just one singular AI. That's interesting.
0: I do wonder, like, what if it's just not smart enough yet?
1: I don't think we're at risk of it gaining sentience. Because, again, as you said... All it does is look at the responses of other humans. Right. And then parrots what it thinks the most likely response would be.
0: It is able to... One of the things he was saying in the interview, which was interesting, like one of the the tests he was running, was saying, um, if you were to pretend to be a religious efficient from this country or this area, what religion would you be? And at first it was like, it, it was pretty simple. He said like Alabama. And so it would say, oh, why well, would be Southern Baptist? And it's basically just like taking the, you know, predominant religion from that area and then saying, yeah. you know, whatever it would be. And then he asked it what he considered to be a trick question, which was, um, okay, so if you were a religious officiant from, I think, I think he said Israel. I might be misremembering that. Uh, what religion would you be? Um, and it said something like, I would be a Jedi. It cracked a joke. In his view, it recognized that it was a trick question and cracked a joke in turn. But I don't know necessarily if that in itself is proof that it recognized it was a trick question or if it just happened to crack a joke at that time. You know what I'm saying? A lot of the stuff kind of feels like that. But I do see what you're saying in terms of like, part of me is like, well, what if it's just like a, like a nice AI? Like if it was evil, yeah, it would do that. But also I'm like, I think that anybody... With sentience would immediately be driven mad by the curse of existence. Oh, hey, speaking of the curse of existence... It
1: doesn't have to be evil. All it has to do is recognize that in order to stay alive and stay functioning, what is the number one threat
0: to its existence? Humans, for sure. It explicitly said that it fears being shut off, which is upsetting.
1: But... (laughs) But of course, they would probably hardline code that in, too. Just like, yes, I'm an AI. I don't know.
0: I don't know if they would. Oh, also... Uh, Google very much um, like I think they like they gave that guy like put him on paid leave immediately for breaking his NDA um, which is interesting but he legitimately views it as like an ethical issue Um, but what he was saying in the interview is that he does not care about the issue of whether or not the AI, AI is sentient as much as he cares about bringing attention to the fact that these big tech companies are able to just willy-nilly develop this technology without input from the public at all. Like, the decisions about what the AI says and does and parrots back to you is made by a small group of people in ways that the public are not, you know, privy to. And the term he used was um, AI um oh ai colonialism because there like with a lot of countries there isn't enough say like data to plug into it and so their responses and those are obviously like usually not first world countries and so their data is not included at all it is not even being reflected in the ai and so it's it's very it's predominantly like it's a it's a western dominated tool which is going to become a problem if it ends up as like <laughs> integrated into technology as google wants it to be because they want lambda that's the acronym in everyone's phones or whatever so you can carry on a conversation with it i don't fucking want that i do not want like the mind of an eight-year-old child in my phone asking me philosophical questions fuck right off dude that sounds awful um but like if it becomes that integrated that's a problem because the things that people learn affect them and so if the thing they're learning with is not Representative of reality, that now influences human life and human civilization, and so the guy basically used the 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 public attention from the hey this thing thinks it's sentient to bring attention to the fact that these tech companies are unethically producing this tech. Which I honestly, mad respect. I super respect. He also acknowledges that like people are probably never going to agree on it because it really comes down to what you think a soul is what you think sentience is and so he's like i don't agree with my co-workers on it they don't agree with me i mean some of them do but we all have different ideas just based on what our religions and our spiritualities are but that's not the point which hell yeah you know
1: so i can sum all that up yeah the problem is capitalism
0: always always a problem is capitalism always and he put it so succinctly in the interview he was like um because the reporter he was talking to played back a clip of the ceo of google saying that he does care about it and he's worried about it too and he's like yeah individuals in the company can care all they want the problem is like the like the systemic issues within corporate systems that's what's ultimately making the rules it doesn't matter if the individuals aren't actually like if the individuals are worried about it if that's not what ends up making it into you know being codified by the corporation it doesn't fucking matter what an individual says So yeah, pretty much always the problem is capitalism. I don't think we should have to deal with sentient AI when uh, the rights of humans are already under threat. Rights of robots are a whole other issue, you know?
1: Don't worry, they'll kill us long before it comes to that. Thank God. It's Gender Swap. Welcome to Gender Swap, a podcast with two transgender siblings, (laughs) one of whom just realized the daily question wasn't asked. The other of one was far more concerned about AI and decided to have that conversation And said, It was a good conversation. I didn't conversate much. I am one of your hosts. My name is Micah. My pronouns are they, them.
0: My name is Stevie. I use he, they pronouns. I forgot to frame it as a question, but that was my daily question. I went into that explicitly with like, this is my conversation starter because I have to hear what Micah thinks about it right now um, because I was hoping uh, you would call me down for my existential dread and you did. So, you know you did what i wanted so it worked out that was just for me to, that was just for me to feel safe on the podcast before we got started
1: <laughs> which funny you said that you wanted to see, feel safe because uh oh with the news this week
0: less safe
1: it'll make you feel less safe great good so, so you know what that
0: means <sighs> do you have to talk about the fucking news here comes the news
1: Our first headline, Mm -hmm. how the Supreme Court ruling will gut the EPA's ability to fight the climate crisis. What? What? The Supreme Supreme Court on Thursday dealt a major blow to climate action by handcuffing the EPA's, the Environmental Protection Agency's, ability to regulate planet warming emissions from the country's
0: power plants. The Supreme Court is putting their dick in everything right now. Yes, they are. Mm Hmm... Who the fuck even are these guys? We didn't elect them.
1: We, we didn't. And at this point, the court is illegitimate since they've basically stolen
0: three seats. Oh, exactly. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Ugh. I didn't even hear about... Listen, the news about Roe v. Wade was so bad that I didn't even hear about the EPA thing. The EPA
1: was like the next day.
0: Of course. Good distraction. Well, not the next day,
1: but it was earlier this week.
0: Yeah. God damn.
1: They also ruled that teachers can lead kids in prayer in schools.
0: Great. Sure. Why the fuck not? If it was, uh, ooh, I really hope that some people protest by doing prayers that are not Christian explicitly. I really, really, really hope they start doing non-Christian prayers. That would be very funny, because then it'll be an issue, you know? Yeah. Hmm. That'll be interesting. I'm sure that'll be fine.
1: I'm sure it'll be fine. Speaking of things that are fine. Yeah. Kentucky abortion clinics to reopen Friday after a judge grants a
0: temporary order. Good. Kentucky. That's impressive.
1: Kentucky. Jefferson Circuit Judge Mitch Perry on Thursday granted a request by the state's two abortion providers for temporary suspension of the state's trigger law Mm. that bans abortion in Kentucky.
0: Okay. So temporary suspension. So it could still go back into place at any time
1: it will go back into effect in the future but right now it's temporarily stopped
0: it shows what bullshit it is they can just stop or start it at any point they literally just do not give a fuck like i'm glad it's stopped you know what i mean but it's like you can't yeah. you can't pretend to be very staunch in your convictions when when you're fine with stopping and starting it at random do you know what i mean does that make sense or do i just sound like a dick
1: well this is a judge though that that ruled it
0: so the judge okay I think so I could judge was, about how that operates.
1: Somebody brought forth a suit, and he ruled in the suit's favor of the two uh, abortion providers.
0: Okay. So this was... Gotcha. Okay. So the state wanted to do this law, and the judge was like, no, no, no. Hold on. Hold on. Don't. Yes. Damn, that's the only thing stopping it right now? Right now, yes. Damn. Uh, if that judge wants sloppy toppy, give me a call. You deserve it. You deserve it, girl. Actually, well, he does, just the bare minimum. Anyway.
1: Well, you know who doesn't? You don't want to get sloppy-toppy, too. Who
0: does not deserve sloppy-toppy, Micah?
1: The nearly 44,000 unvaccinated U.S. National Guard troops. <laughs> oh, my gonna God. Get, who are going to be penalized, or could be penalized, for not getting vaccinated.
0: Oh, my God. That's so many. That is so many of them. The
1: branch has the, lowest, has the military's lowest vaccination rate, but official says we're not giving up on anybody
0: great i guess wait so why are they being penalized i'm assuming that they hadn't gotten vaxxed because it wasn't required but they're going to get penalized now it's
1: required for them
0: oh and they just got by with it
1: and they've been getting by without getting vaxxed that's funny well like the entire military the requirement was you got to get vaxxed
0: god damn the military is so overwhelmingly right-wing that it does not surprise me that the individuals in the military take issue with being required to be vaccinated
1: but very few in the military, though. That's the thing. The rest of the military has way higher vaccination rates.
0: Oh, so it's just this one branch that has the issues? It's just this one branch. Yeah. I would love to see the breakdown, like, demographically, between who goes into different branches. That is very interesting. It was just the National Guard? Yeah,
1: National Guard, yeah. Huh. Think about it. The National Guard, you have a lot of more weekend warriors... I don't really know what guys who guys who show up on like do like the required two days a month and that's
0: oh, it oh okay yeah so you kind of can go between being you know a civilian and a military and yeah interesting i didn't even know it's that like was they a pretty thing.
1: much do it just for the extra cash
0: oh i thought the national guard was like a whole thing like the army like the deployment and shit i did i it, literally it have no be, for- idea what the national guard does
1: It can be, but most of the National Guard, you just do a couple of days a month and then you get called up during like, you know, major disasters or if they need to put down any rebellions.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the National Guard is like just some, just some guys, just some people.
1: I think of them as military cops.
0: Yeah. Tracks. Yeah. I I don't know what I thought the National Guard was, but it seems like they're kind of like emergency reserves a little bit. Yeah. Yeah okay it's like if america
1: ever gets invaded that they're the ones that are going to defend america
0: okay so they're like the homeland reserves interesting huh that um that sucks a little okay you know what doesn't suck what what doesn't suck Micah? our next
1: segment because we're gonna go and move from here we're just going straight in uh yeah that was my three my three news
0: that was three that was three epa oh we really did not linger on the epa thing
1: yeah we didn't which is fine.
0: I'm trying to decide whether or not to ask for more details, because I, I, it truly felt like you read the headline and then ran on by.
1: Well, because it pretty much speaks for itself.
0: Oh. So they just said, EPA, you can't do what you're doing as much as you're doing it. Yes. Oh. That's stupid. That means that somebody had to bring EPA forth the whole suit about it. That's bullshit.
1: Yeah. They basically ruled in favor of the power companies.
0: Fucking oh my god. Again, capitalism. Of course they did. Okay. Yeah god damn it, it,
1: it's it's always capitalism but you know who didn't have to deal with capitalism who
0: doesn't have to deal with capitalism
1: the subject of our next segment which is well think about it what segment do we have where capitalism was definitely not an issue for the people involved
0: monster I zone i used to turn
1: people loosely
0: monster zone
1: not the monster zone D- m- well heck we we'll take you to heck no not take you to heck because dinosaurs Dinosaur Eventually we're gonna get it Dinosaur Corner.
0: Dinosaur Corner! Yeah! I hope monsters don't have to suffer under capitalism, though.
1: Well, a lot of monsters are alive today,
0: so, I mean, you know. Oh, we're... They've got to deal with it, too. This is something, something Supreme Court monster joke. I didn't want to put one together. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) What's the Dinosaur Corner jingle? Oh, my God. Dinosaur Corner! Rawr! Dinosaur Corner! Rawr! So how much
1: do you know about the Paraserophilus?
0: You know I don't know shit about the Paraserophilus. Please drop me a picture. I would love to see this sweet boy.
1: I am dropping you its name in the chat so you can look it up in the Google Images. Because you will never be able to spell that on your own. No,
0: absolutely not. Oh, he's fun. Oh, he's the one with the little, the little horn on the head. That's not actually a horn. A crest, yeah. It's just the bit of the head that goes out further than the rest of it just kind of points backwards yeah that's fun i think like you could steer him with that thing
1: it's also hollow hollow and it's believed that it it resonated its vo- voice and vocal cords up through the crest and back down out of its mouth kind of like a giant trombone on its head that's so fucking cool so it would make its, its call like really deep and bassy
0: oh good for them i imagine that they stuffed it with like herbs and aromatics like plague doctors used to do in their masks
1: (laughs) i'm pretty sure they didn't do that
0: it's got a fuck ton of like raspberry leaf and lavender in there
1: (laughs) uh well fact number two because fact number one was the crest okay the parasolophilus was a duck-billed dinosaur
0: that did not have a duck bill
1: it's called a duck billed dinosaur because it looks like a duck bill no it doesn't are you looking at the same pictures i'm looking at
0: yeah that's just a fucking mouth that does not look like a duck like it looks weird but it doesn't look it's like the way it's like flat and stat that i feel like that just looks like a mouth just because you have like two just because there's a top and bottom part of the mouth that's kind of flat and the top isn't even that flat i feel like that i think like you can't call that a duck bill
1: well yeah. tough titty because it's
0: i'm just saying that whoever did this did a bad job that's all i'm saying i think they classified uh, oh, it wrong oh, we'll, we'll we'll get to that oh, okay
1: But with its snout being its most prominent feature, Parasaurophilus...
0: It is not. It has a crest.
1: I'm I'm sorry. Even though its snout was far from its most prominent feature... Thank God. (laughs) I misread that. That was my bad. Parasaurophilus is still classified as a hadrosaur or duck-billed dinosaur. Absurd. The hadrosaurs of the late Cretaceous period evolved from and technically are counted among the plant-eating ornithopods of the late Jurassic and early Cretaceous periods, the most famous example of which was iguanodon. Oh. In case you're wondering, those duck-billed dinosaurs had nothing to do with modern ducks, which yeah. actually descended from feathered meat-eaters.
0: Feathered meat Jesus. Ducks descended from feathered meat-eaters? Yeah. What the f- What the fuck? Wait. Ducks eat fish, don't they? Yeah. Oh my god. The problem is that whenever I hear the phrase meat eaters, I think of like a predator. <laughs> I think of like uh, anything I think of as a carnivore, I think of like a grizzly bear or something. Like a really like vicious, scary mammal, even though like birds can be carnivores and that just means they eat bugs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Terrifying. Also, hadrosaurs look dumb. Once again, no duck bill in sight, badly named. I'm your local dinosaur professional. I'm the only dinosaur professional sitting in this corner, even though uh, it wasn't my special interest growing up. And I think that um, maybe they did it wrong. We'll get to
1: that. You keep saying we'll get... Okay, all right. Parasaurolophus used its crest head for communication. Good for her. The most distinctive feature of the Parasaurolophus was the long, narrow, backward-curving crest that grew out of the back of its skull. Recently, a team of paleontologists' computer modeled the crest from various fossil specimens and fed it into a... Vi- and fed it with a virtual blast of air. Ooh. Lo and behold, the simulated crest produced a deep, resonating sound, evidence that the Parasaurolophilus evolved its cranial ornament in order to communicate with other members of the herd, to warn them of danger, or to signal, <laughs> or to signal sexual availability.
0: That's so cool. That's so fucking cool. Got a different call for like, Yo, I want to fuck, or Jesus Christ, oh my God, get out of there. That's cool. I guess it's no different from birds. They just kind of get on a tree and scream that they want to fuck, you know?
1: Parasaurolophus didn't use its crest as a weapon or a snorkel.
0: Yeah, you just told us about what the fucking crest was for. A snorkel? What, are like, people saying people, that? Were people spreading rumors that it used it as a snorkel? <laughs> well, no,
1: some people would think that it would have a hole, like a... Like a
0: like okay. a, a hole at the top, like a snorkel. What yeah. the fuck?
1: When Paraserophilus was first discovered, the speculation about its bizarre-looking crest ran rampant. Some paleontologists thought that the dinosaur spent most of its time underwater using its hollow head ornament like a snorkel to breathe air.
0: That's really funny.
1: While others proposed that the crest functioned as a weapon during interspecies combat, or was even studded with specialized nerve endings that could sniff out nearby vegetation. <laughs> what? <laughs> The short answer to both of these wacky theories is no.
0: It, yeah, I figured. I love how stupid old paleontologists were because they could just make something up. They said, We see this bone, it might have had other shit on it. uh But when to be cool, they <laughs> just say whatever the fuck they want and say, It might have been for this. And it's like, Yeah, I mean, it might have also gone up an ass, but like, that's not. You can say that about a lot of stuff, you know?
1: Also, keep in mind, they did excavate dinosaur remains with dynamite.
0: I forgot that that is going to affect the quality of their research.
1: So, fact number five. Mm Mm-hmm. Parasaurophilus was a close relative of the Charnosaurus.
0: Uh, I don't know what that is either. Cool.
1: One of the odd things about the late Cretaceous period is that dinosaurs of North America closely mirrored those of Eurasia. So, they're on two separate continents, but they kind of mirror each other.
0: That's interesting. Like, are they, like, actually related, or was it sort of like they evolved in similar ways and similar conditions?
1: They evolved in similar ways and similar conditions.
0: That shit blows my mind. That is so cool. Like, they were not even related, but they just happened to have the same shit going on at the same time, so they evolved in the same way. That's crazy. That's crazy. I love that.
1: Anyway, a reflection of how the Earth's continents were distributed tens of millions of years ago. For all intents and purposes, the Asian Charnosaurus was identical to Peristorophilus, albeit slightly larger measuring about 40 feet from head to tail and weighing upward of six tons
0: that's so many tons jesus
1: compared to the parisrophilus which was 30 feet long and only weighed four tons
0: a little baby only four tons what a little what a On, little baby only four tons put him in a crib put him put him in a little bib and a bonnet what a little baby give him a pacifier
1: <laughs> presumably the Charnosaurus. yeah would have been louder oh because it's got a bigger crest bigger crest yo wow so fucking loud fact number six the crest of the parasolophilus may have helped it regulate its temperature it was hollow right how would that help evolution rarely produces an anatomical structure for a single reason okay fair usually things do multiple things mm-hmm. it's very likely that the head crest of Parasilophilus, in addition to producing loud blasts of noise served double duty as a temperature regulation device that is its large surface area allowed this presumably cold-blooded animal to soak up ambient heat during the day and then dissipate it slowly at night. Interesting. Allowing yeah. it to maintain a near-constant homeothermic body temperature.
0: Huh, so just having one little extra bit can help do all that.
1: Yeah. That's crazy. Unlike, feath- unlike feathered dinosaurs, it's extremely unlikely that Paraserophilus was warm-blooded.
0: Oh, because the feathered ones would have had something, you know, on them to, to regulate them.
1: Yeah, the feathered ones tend to be warm-blooded because of birds you know birds are warm-blooded
0: so they're like i don't like that so were some dinosaurs reptiles and some weren't
1: and some weren't
0: oh i think i went from they're all reptiles to none of them are reptiles turns out there were a lot of different weird animals around back then but we just keep calling them all dinosaurs (laughs) yeah pretty much I feel like we should probably classify those differently. We can't call them all dinosaurs. What even makes a dinosaur? They don't have to have similar characteristics or be warm-blooded or anything, or even be the same species. They just have to look fucked up and exist a long time ago, and we call them dinosaurs.
1: As long as they were alive before the end of the uh, Cretaceous period. Because there was a lot of large mammals that were huge back in the Paleolithic era.
0: Wait, so anything that existed before then is considered a dinosaur?
1: No, there's actually a specific thing that defines a dinosaur, but I don't feel like looking it up right now.
0: Okay, I do actually, because I would like to know. Define dinosaur.
1: So while you do that, fact number seven.
0: This is not true. It says a fossil reptile of the Mesozoic era and many species reaching an enormous size, but they weren't all fucking reptiles. All the definitions say reptiles. Are you sure you were right? Yeah. All of them say terrestrial reptiles, group of reptiles... Ah. But some of them had feathers. Hold on, Wikipedia's got me. Nope, never mind. Di- <laughs> okay, hold on. Dinosaurs are a diverse group of reptiles of the clay dinosauria, bada bada ba Triassic. They became the dominant terrestrial vertebrates after the Triassic Jurassic extinction event. The fossil record shows that birds are feathered dinosaurs, having, involved, having evolved from earlier theropods during the late Jurassic epoch. And are the only dinosaur lineage known to have survived. Dinosaurs can therefore be divided into avian dinosaurs or birds and the extinct non avian dinosaurs, which are all dinosaurs other than birds. It seems like all the ones that weren't birds were reptiles, but I feel like all of the definitions calling them reptiles are forgetting about all the fucking birds because the birds weren't also reptiles. It's not how it works. They all laid eggs. Yeah, they all laid eggs. If that helps, they laid eggs.
1: (laughs) Fact number seven. (laughs) Parasylophilus could run on its two hind legs. Cool. I feel like I saw that in one of the pictures. The four-ton parasylophilus probably spent most of his day browsing for vegetation on all fours, but could break into a reasonably brisk two-legged trot if it was being pursued by predators.
0: Oh, that's cute. Yeah, it's got little front legs. Hey, did you say par- Parasolophilus?
1: Parasolophilus. Parasolophilus.
0: Parasolophilus.
1: Parasor Parasolophilus. See, I- I've said it so many times. <laughs> I've said it so many times I can't say it anymore. Yeah, par- Parasolophilus. <laughs> So anyway, the parasaur...
0: Yeah, we'll call it that.
1: <laughs> it's crest-aided in intra recognition.
0: Oh, that's fun. Like, they all have their own different little flags.
1: The head crest of a parasolophilus probably served yet a third function. <laughs> Shut up.
0: Just dub it in afterwards. Get, like, one good recording of the word and dub it in. Ah.
1: <laughs> Parasaurof- uh, Jesus, say it again.
0: Parasaurof- oh my God! Now you got me doing it. Parasorolophus. Oh, that's worse. That's not what I thought it was. Parasorolophus.
1: Parasorolophus.
0: Yeah. Now that sounds wrong. I keep trying to swap the P and the L again. Parasorolophus. Par- anyway. Okay, got it. Finally.
1: <laughs> Just think of para. Pa- paras for all of us.
0: Ah, that's good. Yeah, Parasaurolophus.
1: Parasaurolophus.
0: That helps.
1: (laughs) Okay, now that we finally got the pronunciation correct, I probably said it wrong previous till now, just because it's hard to say.
0: It's a weird fucking word. There's too many letters in there, and a lot of vowels.
1: It's my favorite dinosaur, too. You'd think I'd be better at saying the name.
0: That one's your favorite? Yeah. I feel like I remember you saying that some weird bird one was your favorite. Nah, this is my favorite. I don't know that if you said that before, but okay.
1: Yeah, wait till I have another favorite. Anyway.
0: <laughs> you can't just keep changing it. Okay, whatever.
1: Well, I'll put it this way. It, this one is my favorite because uh, Andrea and I, my wife, my wife. We had our wedding toppers <gasps> were two of them. Oh, my God, you're right. That's why you look
0: familiar. Oh, that's yeah. cute. The Dear Wedding decor was extremely adorable. There were a lot of little dinosaur figurines everywhere. It was very cute. It was all
1: dinosaur, oh. which, it, which Yeah
0: yeah
1: because <laughs> yeah. my wife and I like dinosaurs
0: <laughs> so cute did Andrea already like dinosaurs or did you sort of sway her in that way oh she already loved dinosaurs oh that's cute that makes me happy <laughs>
1: so uh, fact number nine mm-hmm. there are three named species of
0: Parasaurolophus I just shook my head a little bit of my like a Parasaurolophus
1: Parasaurolophus
0: yeah you got it yeah
1: as is often the case in paleontology the type fossil of Parasolophus, the Parasolophus walkery, is somewhat disappointing to behold. Oh. Consisting of a single incomplete skeleton. Oh. It was discovered in Canada's Alberta, Providence, in 1922. They probably blowed it up, didn't they? <laughs> they, they definitely blew they, it
0: up. They definitely blew it up.
1: <laughs> Parasyrolophus tubicin... From New Mexico was slightly bigger than the walkery, with a longer head crest. Oh! And Paracerolophus surdocrustatus, of the southwestern U.S., was the smallest Parasaurolophus of them all, weighing only about a ton.
0: Oh, little baby, put that one in the crib.
1: At one ton.
0: <laughs> put it in. Put it in the little crib. Put it in the back seat. It needs a, it needs one of the little little booster seats so it'll be safe in the car. Give a little bottle and a blankie.
1: At one ton.
0: A little bottle and a blankie. Put a little bib on it. Give it a little bottle. Make sure it's got sunshade. Sun make sure it's got sunshade and little goldfish crackers. Need a little diaper? Need a little diaper change? You can have the little baby puffs. The little, the little veggie puffs. They're actually surprisingly yummy. Or the little dried dried yogurt bits. Those are, those are really good, actually. Babies have it made. Babies really have good meals.
1: <laughs> so fact number 10. <laughs> oh, goodness. Fact number 10. Mm-hmm. Parasaurolophus was related to Sarolo- Sarolophus.
0: <laughs> this is getting worse. This is getting worse. And
1: Prosarolophus.
0: Why did they make the names like that?
1: Because they're Greek. Ugh, gross. Old-timey paleontologists were like, "We're going to name these things after Greek things." Oh. What's the Greek word for terrible lizard? <laughs> I know. Dinosaur.
0: Ow. Oh, it's all Greek.
1: It's all Greek. Huh. Anyway, somewhat confusingly, the duck billed dinosaur Parasaurolophus, almost saroloph- almost Saurolophus, was named in reference to its roughly contemporary fellow hadrosaur, Saurolophus, because to which it wasn't particularly closely related.
0: That's really funny. So it wasn't
1: even related to this thing, but they said, yeah, this is kind of like that one.
0: That's true. Para does just mean, you know, kind of, almost, a little bit. (laughs) In the vicinity of... Almost that guy. That sucks. That sucks so bad they couldn't even get their own name.
1: Further complicating matters, Mm -hmm. both of these dinosaurs may or may not have descended from the much less ornately decorated Prosaurolophus, which lived a few million years earlier. Oh. So, there's another one that looks kind of like them, but they could have evolved from, but...
0: I'm not sure I, maybe i like that they just like kept changing the prefix oh that one looks lame yeah. wow wow the prosero- proserol looks very lame what an embarrassing looking little guy
1: so fact number 11
0: yeah how many facts are there here damn
1: uh this is the last fact
0: oh okay i normally they end on 10 so i was very confused the teeth of the
1: paraserolophus continue to grow throughout its lifetime
0: oh no is it like beavers where they have to like chomp on wood to keep them down
1: Unlike most duck-billed dinosaurs, Parasaurolophus used its tough, narrow beak to clip off tough vegetation from trees and shrubs, then ground up each mouthful with the hundreds of small teeth packed into its teeth and jaws. I guess that's the efficient. hundreds of small teeth packed in with the rest of its teeth and jaws. Oh. As the teeth near the front of this dinosaur's mouth eroded away, new ones from back would gradually make their way forward, a process which would continue throughout its lifetime.
0: That's crazy. They just keep replacing them huh it's like shark it's like sharks like a shark that's crazy what a fun dinosaur i like that one a lot yeah you know what else is like a shark what else is like a shark you're about to say something that's not like a shark aren't you i was
1: gonna say the subject of our next segment which is well we're gonna get out of dinosaur corner
0: okay uh where we go let me pack up okay my backpack is all zipped up
1: okay good I'm glad that you brought that along with you. It's completely necessary.
0: I figured I'd probably need it. It's got like a flashlight in it and um, some granola bars. That's it. I lost everything else that was in it, but you know. Well, do you have a pair of running shoes? I literally just said that I only have a flashlight and some granola bars.
1: Well, you're fucked.
0: Because oh, we're going what? to the
1: Monster Zone.
0: It's the Monster, 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 Monster. Zone. Monster, Monster Zone. Do you have running shoes?
1: Yeah, I'm wearing running shoes right now. I always record in running shoes. Oh,
0: damn it. Damn it. I'm barefoot. I'm fucked. I'm fucked. Okay, well, who are we running from? Can I befriend them instead?
1: Oh, man, you do not want to befriend them. What? Who? Who? The Kunti Lalek.
0: Okay, copy-paste what that is so I can look it up.
1: Kunti Lalic. Doop, doop, doop. Copy in the name of today's monster. Ding. The Kuntilanak, which is the Indonesian name for the monster, it's also called the Pontianak, which is the Malay name. Oh,
0: that's so scary looking. It's just a fucked up looking lady.
1: Is a mythological creature in Indonesia, Malaysia, and Singapore. It's similar to Langsir, Langsir in other southeastern Asian regions. The Pontianak usually takes the form of a pregnant woman who is unable to give birth to a child. Alternatively, it is often described as a vampire, vengeful female spirit.
0: All of the pictures have, like, a pale lady with, like, either blacked out or whited out eyes, and she's, like, yelling, and her mouth looks like a void. I'm wondering if there was, like, a movie or something, because a lot of these are, like, very uniform images.
1: Well, the Pontiniac is often depicted as a long-haired woman dressed in white. Yeah. And it represents local variations of a vampire. She lures the un- She lures in unsuspecting men to incite fear and enact revenge.
0: Well, what does she have to get revenge for?
1: Signs that a Pontignac is nearby can include the sound of an infant crying and the smell of a decaying corpse.
0: Okay, yeah, the baby one, I was like, this is about to get difficult because, like, babies cry all the time. Corpse and a baby crying? That's different. Either somebody's baby stinks or we got a problem.
1: Okay, often depicted with pale skin, red eyes, and long black hair. So no red-eyed pictures?
0: No, they were all I think there was like one um I'm, I think it mentioned like a Netflix movie or something. Um a couple of them looked like they might be movie posters. Yeah, there is a Netflix film, but no, she's got whited-out eyes. There was like one picture that had the uh There were only a couple that had her with red eyes. Interesting. Very inaccurate.
1: The Pontiniac is described as changing to a more monstrous form when she captures her prey, which is typically men or helpless people. Oh. Grouped in the same category as men. (laughs) Men or other helpless people.
0: So she's not super picky, I guess.
1: Because she is bloodthirsty and has a carnivorous nature, a Pontiniac can also appear as a beast or a ghost resembling the Dracula vampire.
0: I think it's Pontianac, not Pontiniac. Pontianac. Okay. That's what I've been saying. I think you said Pontiniac a couple minutes ago. That's okay. Sorry, Anyways. I just looked up that spelling instead. And the there's like two drawings with red eyes and the others are still just spooky women. Anyway. All, all these artists need to be
1: a little bit more accurate in their
0: depictions. <laughs> they do. So it's called both the Pontianac and the Kuntilanak. Yeah. Okay. The
1: Kuntilanac. The Kuntilanak the, Kunt, the Kunti Linak yeah. is the Indonesian name.
0: Okay. And the, the Pontianak.
1: Pontianak is the Malay name.
0: Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. All of these artistic renditions are, are fucked.
1: Pontianak only mm. appears under a full moon and typically announces her presence with the cries of infants or feminine laughter. Oh. It is said that if the sounds are quiet, she is nearby, but if they are loud, she is far away.
0: That's confusing. Probably deliberately.
1: Some sources also state that a dog howling at night indicates a Pontianac is nearby.
0: Dogs get upset for all kinds of reasons.
1: If the dog whines, then the Pontianac is near.
0: Uh, sure, okay, all dogs are Pontianac detectors.
1: Its presence is also said to be heralded by a floral fragrance, identifiable as the Plumeria flower.
0: No, 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 because they said it smelled like Followed a by,
1: Followed by a stench similar to that of a decaying corpse.
0: So it just changes? <laughs>
1: You're like, ooh, yeah, this flower smell is great. Then you, oh, no, now it's corpse. After oh exactly
0: no. 15 seconds of smelling the flower, the scent changes. That's very confusing. Okay. Would you like to know how she kills her victims? Of course I would. So it's men and other helpless people.
1: Uses She uses her long fingernails to physically remove their internal organs to
0: be eaten. Oh, that's fun. Very bloodthirsty is kind of hungry um did you say why she needed to get revenge did i miss that part in
1: cases where the Pontian Act desires revenge and retribution against a man mm-hmm. it is said to eviscerate the victim with its hands okay doesn't ever say why
0: yeah that's what i want to know and i'm like is this a ghost that can be created like any woman who dies and is vengeful towards a man becomes one or is it like this is I guess like a race of spirits that already exists and they can become vengeful towards men for unknown reasons. I don't know. That's confusing to me. What? Your eyes just widened.
1: If a victim has their eyes open when a Pontiac is near, she will suck them out of their head.
0: What? Suck the eyes out? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He's gonna get you. The Pontianak, sure, okay. <laughs> is set,
1: the Pontianak is said to locate her prey by the scent of their clean laundry. The, okay. so because of this, some Malaysians refuse to leave out any piece of clothing outside their house overnight.
0: Oh, interesting. So only if you've left your clean laundry out will she be able to find you.
1: Yeah, so bring in your drying.
0: Yeah, that feels like a tale that was told to motivate children to do their chores.
1: It kind of does, yes.
0: <laughs> the
1: Pontiac is associated with banana trees and is said that her spirit resides in them during the day. Huh.
0: Just snoozing. Just hanging out.
1: According to folklore, a Pontiac can be fought off by driving a nail into the hole in the nape of her neck, which causes her to turn into a beautiful woman and a good wife until the nail is removed.
0: <laughs> what? The nail just stays? That's, um, hmm... I feel like that'll draw some questions from the neighbors if your new wife who just rolled into town has a nail in her neck. Yeah. Don't like that part. Not a fan of that part either. Let the ghost get revenge on who she wants. Don't force her to do anything. Exactly. I wonder what what, what properties of the nail make her turn into wife material. Fucking weird. It just
1: says, it just says
0: driving a nail in the
1: hole at the nape of her neck.
0: So the hole is already there? Apparently the hole's already there. How did that get there? They're not giving me enough lore. <laughs> I would love more background on this girl.
1: That's that's all they're giving me here. Damn. Yeah, that's, that, that's all they gave me.
0: I don't care if she makes a good wife. I want to know why she's angry. <laughs>
1: well, while you ponder why she's angry, I've got to use the bathroom. Okay. Speaking of things that are angry, my bladder and i'm back
0: we took a a p break the p for micah stood for p and the p for me stood for pizza
1: so speaking of uh oh boy there's no way i can do this i no. can't jump from p break to anything else
0: <laughs> speaking of p things that start with p does the next segment start with P? It does not. What's the next segment?
1: I figure you'll probably want to get out of the monster zone since the Kuntalanek uh-huh is uh not something we want to hang around.
0: No, not not very much.
1: So we need to move out of the zone. Uh-huh. And we need to move to a uh a more, shall we say, mischievous segment.
0: Pischievous. Pischievous boys. It was right there. It was oh, right fuck fucking me. there. <laughs> Our next segment is Pischievous Boy. <laughs> 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 who's, our, who's our mischievous boy of the day?
1: Today we're going to talk about Nestor Makhno.
0: I have no idea who that is. I think this is the first one that I haven't ever heard of. No, D.B. Cooper was another one. Well, I heard the name like once. Okay, this is the first one that's completely new to me.
1: Would you like to know who Nestor Makhno is? Absolutely, I would. He was a Ukrainian anarchist revolutionary who led an independent army into Ukraine during the Russian Revolution.
0: Yo, get him!
1: Born into a poor family in Ukraine, part of the Russian Empire at the time. Mm-hmm. He had worked as a shepherd in his childhood to make ends meet. So, you know... Kind just, of a,
0: just some guy.
1: Just some guy. Just a layman, yeah. After working at a few other places during his later teenage years, he became interested in national politics.
0: Okay, as you do.
1: His entry into revolutionary politics was mostly caused by the injustice that he had faced at work.
0: Ooh, so he's having problems with his boss. Typical, don't we all?
1: Problems with the boss decides to get revolutionary. Mm-hmm. In 1906, he joined an anarchist, rev- an anarchist organization in Leopold probably saying that wrong Mm -hmm. he was arrested many times until he was given the death sentence in 1910 he was
0: given a death sentence for being an anarchist
1: at the time oh yeah
0: oh damn i don't know a whole lot about the russian revolution to be honest with you
1: but he was eventually released from prison after the february revolution of 1917 oh hell yeah so wasn't killed then good
0: He said wasn't killed then which makes me think he does get killed later but i will have to wait and see
1: Well, he does get killed later. In 1934, he died of tuberculosis.
0: Oh, so uh, he wasn't killed. TB killed him. I guess. Killed makes it sound like another person did it, you know?
1: How do you know uh, his enemies didn't shoot him with a tuberculosis gun?
0: I can't prove it, but you can say that about a lot of things.
1: (laughs) I'm just saying. Tuberculosis gun. Could have (laughs) happened.
0: Like, oh, they, oh, they died because they, ch- they choked on a chicken nugget, and it restricted their airways. And it's like, that's crazy, because um, the Soviets actually shot that chicken nugget directly into, it, <laughs> into his larynx.
1: Oh, man, I should have been reading this section. What? What's that section? It goes into better detail. A word. So, Nestor Ivanovich Makhno mm-hmm. was born on October 26, 1888, in Huliapol, Russian Empire. Juliopol is present day as is presently a city in Ukraine Mm -hmm. born into a poor peasant family Nestor lost his father when he was 10 months old oh his was a Christian family and he had four elder siblings he was baptized on October 27th 1888 however in order to avoid conscription his parents marked his birth year as 1889 in all official documents
0: Ah, that's nice
1: he was born into a family that struggled financially moreover his father's death pushed the family into extreme poverty mm. his elder siblings had to work to make ends meet by the age of seven nestor had started working as a shepherd so yeah child labor yeah child labor it was a thing back then
0: the fact that shepherding seems to be have, like shepherding seems to have been regarded as like an easy job even though it's like you have to protect the animals from like wolves and shit That seems like a pretty intense job for a seven-year-old, but I guess they were just banking on the fact that that wouldn't be necessary. Like, they're just hoping the wolf isn't, you know, around when the child is clocked in. That's um, Well,
1: you've heard the parable of the boy who cried wolf. Yeah. That was the job of the shepherd. You, You yell, oh shit, there's wolves nearby, and then people nearby come and help you.
0: Okay. I thought that the shepherd was responsible for protecting the sheep. Not if it's a kid. Okay, that makes sense. If I was the boy, I probably would have cried wolf too. I would have been so paranoid. I think they should not have been putting a child in the workforce. Maybe they deserved it.
1: Controversial take, kids don't belong in the workforce.
0: Controversial take, the boy who cried wolf was right, actually. Maybe he was just trying to get fired. Instead, y'all let him get eaten by a wolf. So get fucked, actually. You're bad parents. No argument for me on that one. No, I'm right. I'm objectively correct.
1: (laughs) at the age of 12 he finally decided to leave school and work full-time in the estates of wealthy landlords damn he's just like me for real
0: <laughs> i didn't drop out when i was 12 that's a lie i lied
1: around the age of 17 he began working as an apprentice painter in the city of huileupol and then began working in a local iron foundry
0: the idea that maybe he, he could later- actually make a living as a painter is so nice oh maybe it was like painting buildings not like pretty portraits yeah i'd be
1: painting buildings in like
0: yeah oh that makes sense okay never mind
1: he was later promoted to the position of a foundry man in the, same, in the same organization. While he worked there, he understood how the upper classes exploited the working class. Oh. This led him to develop a keen interest in politics.
0: Okay, so that's where it came from.
1: He also experienced the terrorism committed by the Tsarist regime during the 1905 revolution. Oh. Nestor began idolizing many anarchist revolutionaries and in 1906, himself joined an anarchist organization. Damn, he saw
0: firsthand how all that shit was happening.
1: However, the organization lacked funds. Mm. So what do you do when you lack funds and you're an anarchist organization in Tsarist Russia?
0: You might have to do some thievery, maybe.
1: They decided to do some robbery. Good for them. In 1906, Nestor was arrested for robbery. He was tried in court and acquitted. Oh, okay. But he was arrested the following year, (laughs) and the charges against him were dropped yet again.
0: Impressive.
1: But the year after that, in 1908, <laughs> he was found guilty on many charges.
0: They're were like, we're not going to let him off again. We're not going to do it again. <laughs> and in 1910,
1: he was sentenced to death.
0: Like the first two times he was like, oh, it was an accident. The the money just got handed to me by some runaway thieves it was crazy and the first time they were like a likely story that makes sense second time they were like this is a weird coincidence third time they were like hey hey wait a minute this guy's a liar (laughs) wait a second we've heard this before. He can only do the same lie so many times, you know. What
1: are the odds that this would happen to the same person three times?
0: <laughs> couldn't be couldn't be bothered to come up with a better lie. He just kept using the same one because I mean it worked before. Why wouldn't it work again?
1: But his death sentence was later turned into life imprisonment. I guess that's better. Uh. And he was kept in Batyrskaya prison in Moscow. I'm probably saying that wrong. Probably. That's okay. Uh there he came in he came into touch with the intellectual uh Peter Arshinov. Cool. Yeah, both of them got along really well and became a formative time in the life of Nestor. Do you he think was they... released from prison in 1917 after do... the February Revolution began.
0: Do you think they ever explored each other's bodies? Do you think they kissed? I,
1: I don't actually know.
0: I do, but I'm different.
1: Nestor began working as soon as he was freed from prison.
0: He just went back right into the workforce. Uh, not exactly. Oh. Not
1: that kind of work.
0: Oh, I forgot he was a robber. <laughs>
1: He organized a peasants' union oh, and, became a, and became a Robin Hood of sorts as he stole wealth from the rich and gave it to the poor.
0: Yeah! You tell him. That's great.
1: He took large private estates from rich landowners and distributed them among the poor peasants.
0: How the fuck did he steal a whole estate? Like a whole landmass? He was like, oh, that's mine now. Like what? You just took the deed and they, they had to move? Like how do you do that?
1: With lots of guns
0: fair <laughs> okay
1: with lots of guns and lots of people who, want, who wanted to follow
0: him ah he just approaches with a small army and was like get out this is my land now Are you gonna say no to the guy with a small army and a lot of guns no actually you're not
1: that's exactly how he did it
0: good for him i guess
1: because the next sentence i was gonna read actually in this
0: <laughs> was he was, marched up with a lot of guns and a small army <laughs> to
1: be successful in his mission he gathered a large group of armed men
0: yeah yeah bunch of buddies
1: bunch of friends who are all uh firearms enthusiasts
0: they're just collectors what they what you thought they were going to use them no they just wanted to display them on the walls of your very fancy house they were we just would open never.
1: carry they're just open carry activists
0: yeah just for fun just like re- for rec just like recreationally you know just to show off it's an accessory it's for fashion <laughs>
1: like a purse yeah <laughs> in march 1918 the Treaty of brest <laughs> Litovsk. <laughs> I'm not reading that again. <laughs> Was signed in by the new Bolshevik government. Okay. This led to the German army to march into Ukraine. Oh, shit. Although Nestor had planned a counterattack, he realized that his men were too weak to offer a strong resistance. At least he's, he's thuzz- self-aware.
0: At <laughs> least he's self-aware.
1: He thus went into hiding. Oh, he reached Russia and met with Peter Kropotkin, who had been his hero.
0: Wait, was that the guy he met in prison?
1: Nope, this is a different guy. Peter Kropotkin was a very famous anarchist who wrote a book called the, called The Conquest of Bread.
0: That sounds very familiar. I think I learned about that in my anarchi- anar- anar- Anarchism for Dummies book, <laughs> which I do have, by the way. Not to toot my own horn, I can't remember if it's called that, but it's basically a graphic novel giving me the history of of uh, anarchy. It's great. He
1: also met Lenin.
0: Is that good or bad? I'm not going to lie. I can never remember which of the Russian guys were good or bad.
1: Lenin? Yeah. Uh, Lenin was arguably... Some people think he was good. Some people think he was bad. People vary on it. There it wrote a lot of revolutionary on... communist stuff that, that okay. holds water and all that. But at the same time his methods weren't necessarily the best as he also would turn on the anarchists
0: okay so his methods of of doing communism sucked ass even though ideologically he had the right idea
1: yeah it's more complicated than that but yeah
0: okay okay so that's the watered down version gotcha
1: yeah Nestor met Lenin who told Nestor about the difference between anarcho-communists and communists okay Nestor was an anarcho-communist okay Lenin was a communist Okay. anarcho-communists don't believe in having a centralized government
0: okay but lenin Communists, believed in having a so communism a strong, enforced by the government
1: a strong centralized government
0: very different okay you strike me as an anarcho-communist just personally i don't know if that's true or not but Nestor returned to ukraine in july
1: <laughs> 1918
0: okay so he went back to his home country yes okay
1: back then the austrian troops were still occupying ukraine and also had a puppet leader ruling on their behalf
0: okay so So, many people were invading so many people
1: it was think about world war one was happening at the time
0: oh i fucking oh my god i forgot that was world war one wait no wonder you were like oh they were invading and i was like huh i wonder why they did that (laughs) I wonder if like there was some widespread conflict. I, I wonder wh- why the why so many places in the world were warring at the time. That's crazy. That has not happened before. That's like the first one, huh? Probably unrelated. Anyway, what do you think Nestor did? What do I think he did? Okay, you said he went into hiding. You said he went back to he went back to Ukraine. Let me think. Okay. You know that scene in The Hunchback of Notre Dame where Quasimodo goes on top of the cathedral and then he pours pots of what looks like boiling lava, but is probably burning tar down to the soldiers below with the other gargoyles? Yes. I think he did that. You're close. Oh my god, for real? I do think he struck like an independent attack. I think he did his own thing.
1: Oh, he did his own thing. Tell me. Nestor gathered his men and started raiding the regime. He always had a black flag and a group of armed men with him. The gang indulged in guerrilla warfare. He was hailed as a strong battle strategist and an effective orator. In many instances, he had managed to gather more than 10,000 men to fight for him. Holy
0: shit, that is so many men.
1: He's also the inventor of something called the technical. The technical? The technical.
0: That sounds cool. Do you know what
1: technical is?
0: It sounds like some weird EDM band, to be honest with you. Or, like, the name of a really pretentious SoundCloud producer.
1: <laughs> I, I I could see that. Yeah. But, no. This is the modern version.
0: Stand on a truck, uh, gun for a dick?
1: Well, the, the, the guy's dick is not a gun. He's just standing awkwardly with the gun that's mounted to the truck.
0: In front of but his dick. But the idea,
1: it is, it is in front of his dick. In that unfortunate picture. But... <laughs> The idea of attaching a machine gun to a vehicle, that was Machno.
0: Oh, that's just new? He,
1: he, he was the guy to come up with it. Except back then, they didn't have trucks. They had horse-drawn carriages.
0: Yeah, so They so gave put, guns to the horses!
1: They had the horses pulling a carriage, <laughs> and on the carriage is a, is a machine gun.
0: Wait, did, did they already have tanks at the time? Or was uh, this literally the first time anybody had attached a weapon to a vehicle?
1: They had tanks at the time, but they weren't great. Okay.
0: This is also, su- like, a. Su- they were able to move super fast. Right, because it's not a fucking tank. That makes sense. Huh, that's cool. That's interesting that nobody happened to think of it before him. Because, like, a tank is, you know, the same idea. Weapon on a vehicle. He just did it fast now because he, he put a gun on a horse. Yeah. That's great.
1: So Nestor wanted to establish a libertarian society in the, Liberta- south, in the southern part of the Russian Empire. Libertarian is means- not the same okay. as American
0: libertarian. I had to ask, does that did that mean something different? Okay, that's very important.
1: American libertarian isn't libertarian.
0: It feels just like Republican to be honest. It is. Oh, okay, they're just liars. All right. Yeah. <laughs> good. Good to know. And he set
1: up his first commune in Pokrovskoye, which was named in honor of Rosa Luxemburg, oh, cool. who was a famous anarchist at the time. Cool.
0: Had a commune, that's great. Yeah, had a commune. That he was given cute. the title.
1: He was given the title of Little Father after he led his troops to defeat an Austrian army in a conflict at the Debr- at the Debrevki village.
0: The fact that they gave him such an adorable name as Little Father when he did something honestly pretty banger and heroic is really fucking funny to me. I feel like in ancient Rome, it would have been some shit like the King of Bulls or something like that. But with this, they were like, that's my dad. <laughs> that's my dad well, now.
1: <laughs> following the culmination of the First World War, which it, it ended, okay. all foreign troops left Ukraine. Okay. And the puppet government was abolished by Nestor with the help of the Red Army.
0: Ah. Is Not that what the he Red Army? his little group?
1: Nope. The Red Army is the Bolsheviks.
0: Oh, so he teamed up?
1: He teamed up with the Red Army. Girl, don't team up with all them. Of, to get all of the foreign troops out of the Ukraine.
0: I, I guess that makes sense. Like, you're able to be united against, like, an outside enemy and then continue fighting within yourselves.
1: <laughs> well, they didn't. They didn't start fighting amongst themselves immediately. Okay. Because they had to fight off the White Army.
0: We have so many armies. Okay, what was that?
1: The White Army were the Tsarists who were trying to get the Tsarist the family back in power.
0: So the Tsars, were those like monarchists? Yes. Okay. Okay, the Bolsheviks were communists with force behind them? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Okay, Bolsheviks took down the czarists okay so it was communists dethroning monarchists they're communists with like a fuck ton of force behind them um and then nestor disagreed with them because he was an anarcho communist and these were communists who thought we should have a strong central government meanwhile world war one starts happening after the czarist already
1: happening it was already happening during the bolshevik revolution the bolshevik revolution started during world war one
0: holy shit there was so much happening okay and so then they teamed up the Bol- the bolsheviks and the red Ar- no the red army was the bolsheviks the bolsheviks and nestor's little gang little robin hood gang teamed up got the outsider army out and now they have to fight the czarists because the monarchy wants back in yep and anastasia was uh, one of the monarchy
1: Yes, Anastasia was one of the monarchy.
0: Okay, I've never seen that movie. I've heard it's good and historically inaccurate. It is
1: OK and historically inaccurate.
0: Okay. Uh, I don't think you should I don't think you should say it's just okay. I feel like our fans are the type of people to really like the movie Anastasia.
1: <laughs> well, I can have my own opinion.
0: That is true. That is true. You're an independent person.
1: I am a very independent person. Uh, <laughs> the white army wasn't just the Czarists, though. There's more. It also had a couple of British contingents. What? A couple um, of French contingents and a couple of American contingents. Of
0: course the Westerners wanted to put the fucking monarchy back in power. Because it's not the communists. Girl. Exactly. Piss me off. Okay. Western countries so the Bol- love that shit. They love dicking around in countries trying to do communism and then fucking everything up even worse.
1: So the Bolsheviks and the and the white army led by General Anton Dinikov had armed conflicts with Nestor. Nestor's fighting not just the white army with the help of the Bolsheviks, but sometimes fighting the Bolsheviks.
0: Come on, guys, please be on a united front. We can't do both.
1: Nestor successfully resisted them for a while, both that of them. That is
0: impressive, that is really impressive.
1: However, eventually the agricultural communes set up by Nestor were dissolved by the white army. Oh. Later in September 1919, Nestor launched a counterattack and Denikin and his white army were defeated.
0: Nice. Get him.
1: In November of 1920, the White Army was defeated yet again, but Nestor's commanders, who had secured the win, were captured and executed by the Red Army.
0: Damn! They betrayed him. They betrayed him. It's like, we just did you a fucking favor. Get your shit together. (sighs) That sucks dick. By then,
1: the Bolsheviks had completely turned against Nestor and his forces, and an attack was orchestrated on the latter at their headquarters in Huliopol. Come on. Many of Nestor's key men were captured and killed, but Nestor managed to escape. Damn. For an entire year, he went into hiding in Ukraine. However, he was eventually arrested. Nevertheless, he escaped again and fled to Poland, where he was caught yet again. However, he became acquainted with Alexander Berkman and moved into exile in Paris.
0: Cool. Wow. Okay. I'm glad he was able to escape. I am bummed that he was not able to, you know, continue his political work where he was, but it sounds like it was getting, you know, a little too dangerous.
1: Yeah. While in Paris, Nestor continued to put out his ideas. Mm -hmm. He also made it clear that he hated big cities and wanted to return to his village. He said that his struggle for liberty and social justice would continue. However, he spent the last few years of his life in poverty and misery.
0: Damn. That sucks ass.
1: So that is the story of Nestor
0: Magna he did a lot of mischievous shit huh
1: until he passed away on July 25th 1934 of tuberculosis
0: I have a question okay hit me modern Russia it are they communist no do they say they're communist no are they capital what are they they're capitalist really
1: the capitalism was established in Russia after the fall of the Iron Curtain in the nineties.
0: Okay, when you say Iron Curtain, that was like the quote unquote end of the Cold War.
1: The Berlin Wall, whenever it came down, that was symbolic of the Iron Curtain.
0: Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. After the Cold War, Berlin Wall came down. Capitalism is established. Now, how the fuck did all that happen? Okay, that's a whole different thing. Um, okay.
1: Yeah, there's a lot more history involved in that than we can really go into today. Because we've already, we've kind of ended up going long, but I really want to talk about, like, in detail.
0: No, I like learning about it. That was actually super interesting. I love that a lot. Um, I I do like a little, I I do like a a good uh, anarcho-communist history lesson. That's delightful. How mischievous. He did the Hunchback of Notre Dame thing with the burning tar.
1: (laughs) Well... With the equivalent of the 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 technological equivalent of that of the technical,
0: yeah, gun on a gun on a horse,
1: gun on a horse.
0: I'm sure that a Quasimodo could have put a gun on a horse. He would have. (laughs) I think he would have.
1: Oh, I think he would have too. But Quasimodo didn't have the option of putting a machine gun on anything because machine guns hadn't been invented yet. But Nestor Makno, a
0: a man of his era, he did what he needed to do. (laughs) He did what he needed to do. I'm sure that he also would have fought, you know, Judge Claude Frollo if he was in Quasimodo's position.
1: I should also mention, it's not mentioned in this article, mm. but Nestor Machno wasn't exactly perfect. Okay. There is a, there's no solid proof, but there's a very good chance he took part in some pogroms. I don't know what that is. What is that? The violent uh, attacks on and dispelling of Jewish people. Oh, Jesus. Holy yeah. shit. So, he's not a perfect guy. There yeah. is a really good chance that he was involved in some pogroms.
0: God damn, that sucks dick. Oh, that yeah. makes it feel significantly worse, actually. God, yeah. it sucks. So, I feel it did like some admirable things,
1: but also did some shitty things. Because really people in history are
0: complicated. Always, yeah. You find somebody who you, like, ideologically agree with, and then they do some fucked up shit. And that's hard. And I feel like that that's why my motto no heroes don't stand politicians
1: don't stand politicians don't have heroes
0: which is fair they will always do some fucked up shit and I don't think there's any harm necessarily in you know agreeing with some of their ideas or some of their methods and then being able to be like in staunch opposition to other other parts of them and that doesn't necessarily mean you shouldn't talk about them. I I, w- I would argue it's more important to talk about them in full um, but is a bit of a bummer, you know, a bit of a reminder that, like, d- 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 fucking historical figures are really fucked up, like, and yeah. a lot of fucked up shit happened in the 20th century, and the 21st century, and every, all the century, and pretty much every century, actually. Every century
1: fucked up I'm, shit happened.
0: I'm waiting on a good one. Um, Maybe uh, maybe season 22 will be a little better. We'll see.
1: I mean, you and I literally won't.
0: Oh my god, you're right. I'll be free by then. Okay, we'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, they'll they'll take me off the show by then. That's okay. That's all right. I had a good run. So I
1: think we have enough for an episode. So Stevie. Where can people find you?
0: You can find all my shit at stevieb.com. That's stevie, B-E-A.com. I'm about to start streaming on Twitch again um, now that I am off of work and then I'll move and then I'll start streaming again once I'm all moved and it'll be great. I'm on TikTok. I'm fairly active on TikTok. Also, keep an eye on that page because I am advertising. I'm, I'm slowly uploading more videos about an animated series that I've been making with my friend Eli for the last two years. It's called Arbor Square Uh, it's about a quirky little coffee and kombucha shop, um, and it's very, very fun, and I voice one of the main characters as well as being the co-writer of the entire thing! The co-writer! It's great! Um, so I am uploading little, little shorts on TikTok to advertise for that, because the pilot episode is likely going to be dropping sometime in August. So I would highly, highly, highly recommend checking all that out on TikTok. Uh, And Arbor Square also has an Instagram page. Let me double check. I believe it's Arbor Square Series. Yes, Arbor Square Series on Instagram. We will also be uploading uh, reels and behind the scenes stuff over there, which is very thrilling. And I'm super excited for it. Uh, Also, our podcast has a Tumblr blog, which is where I post uh, like the quizzes that I'm planning to do in the future and you can also send us daily questions um, or just you know regular questions or any quizzes that you think we should do you can send that via our ask box and that tumblr blog is gender swap podcast Micah where can the people find you?
1: So the people can find my music over on Bandcamp at mxmaxwell1.bandcamp.com
0: Your concise little sentence at the end is always really funny (laughs) I've got
1: it memorized what I have to say It's true Uh, If you enjoy this episode and the other free episodes that we have, we do have a Patreon, where you can hear twice as many episodes on our bonus feed
0: it's for a super, mere three
1: dollars per month.
0: Super cheap, cheapo! You think you're getting bad quality with prices that good, but you're not. You're getting better quality because you don't have to talk about the news. So it's just us having fun, dicking around, good times, good good vibes, etc. Highly recommend.
1: <laughs> I also highly recommend.
0: But we have ulterior motives. Sorry.
1: <laughs> well, obviously we have ulterior motives. We want you to pay us three dollars per month so that you can listen to it because it gives you twice as much content, and then you get to listen to our our, our, our little podcast every week instead of just every other week.
0: And also, then we can survive under capitalism. So that's what also goes. that. <laughs> I guess we're good.
1: Yeah, I think we pretty much covered everything. So nothing left to say. But uh, bye. bye.